Hey folks, Jeff here. I just wanted to take a couple minutes and look at the rise of Donald Trump here in the Republican primaries and see if uh, we can get some integral insight on this sort of amazing phenomena that I got to say the liberal tribal part of me is enjoying. Uh, but I think one of the things that makes Donald Trump so appealing, particularly to Republicans, is that he is transmitting from a red altitude of development that we would call, we call it the warrior stage of development. And that stage of development, it comes before traditional and modern and postmodern. It's, it's an early stage. It was really online in humanity uh, 5,000 years ago and earlier, uh, where, you know, it was the age of the warlords and the kings and the empires and the Genghis Khans. And it's an era where might makes right, literally where you don't make moral cases, you don't make arguments, you get out there and fight and win or lose. And it's as uh, simple as that. And it's, it's, it's a stage that's alive in all of us. And it's a stage that we feel a little more secure when we see that our leaders have it. Because we know that, you know, it's still a dangerous world out there. And there are some situations where you just have to get in there and fight. And we want to be led and protected by somebody who can do that. And, 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 and of course, that is characteristic of Trump, at least as he's presenting himself in this campaign. He's just, you know, it's all about combat. And in, in some ways, at least politically and intellectually, he's not even all that good at it. I mean, there's these amazing tweet wars that he has with people where, you know, He's coming back with insults like, you're dumb, you're stupid, you have, I was read one, you have the mind of a very dumb and backward child. And, you know, it's, it's not that effective in a certain way. It's kind of cringe-worthy, but it works because you always know if you're in the arena with Donald Trump that you're never going to... Uh, land a punch without getting punched back. And that's powerful. I remember I had a, a trainer uh, a few years ago who worked in a gym that I got to know pretty well. And he was a you know, little, maybe 5'5", five, five, fire plug of a guy. And he was, you know, a fighter. He was aggressive. And he was from South Boston. And he said, you know, my size was always, you know, a problem. And I had to sort of watch myself. But he said, I never backed away from a fight. And I don't care how big the guy was. He knew that if he was going to fight with me, he might win, but he too was going to be hurt. And I always thought there was a certain, you know, strange uh, warrior level wisdom to that. And, you know, evolutionarily speaking, we don't want to get into fights capriciously. I mean, it's a certain intelligence to, you know, avoiding fights, even at the warrior level. And so we develop a range of behaviors at this red altitude that communicate our bigness and badness through display. It's basically the same thing as a cat does when it arches its back to look bigger in a fight. One of the ways we humans do it is through the display of wealth. And note that that's different than just having wealth. Some people have wealth and don't display it. But at red, we display it. And this is the essence 
of the Trump brand, uh, which is, as they say, a life lived without boundaries, limits, or compromise. And to get a taste of it, just Google his Manhattan apartment mansion and see this interior that is really fit for the Sun King, Louis XIV. I mean, it is marble and uh, frescoes on the ceiling and gold-plated and just, I mean, it would make Saddam Hussein blush. But again, this is the essence of everything Trump does, is to show off his wealth, his bigness and badness. Another characteristic of the Red Altitude is a big sexual display, shows another kind of power. And apparently in history, it wasn't always just a display. I was reading that Genghis Khan had such a way with the ladies that today he has 16 million descendants. Today we see this kind of thing displayed in a certain kind of popular music. So if we're a red altitude rapper, we surround ourselves with oiled up gyrating girls in bikinis. Or if we're a billionaire casino developer, like Donald Trump, we host the Miss Universe pageant, which is at least slightly more refined but still transmits that sexual potency that is another of the essences of red. Psychologically speaking, we refer to the red altitude as being egocentric, as being literally unable to see the perspective of the other. And so you're left with just basically asserting yourself. And we see this in egocentric people. We see this in small children. This is a natural stage of development. Uh, but a bit odd <laughs> in a presidential campaign where you hear Donald Trump talking about how he built a tremendous fortune. I have a very high IQ, he says. I will be the greatest jobs president God ever created. I will build a great, great wall on our southern border, and I will have Mexico pay for that wall. Now, these aren't policy statements in any sense of the word that we're used to. These aren't even arguments. These are assertions, boasts, braggadocio, and this is the currency of red. Red is pre-modest. Modesty hasn't been installed yet. Modesty, decency, decorum, self-restraint, these kinds of things come online at the next stage of development the stage of development that historically was brought on with religious insights such as the Ten Commandments or the Eightfold Path, where we have to be fair and nice and have right speech and right behavior. And this is the dawning of traditionalism or the amber altitude of development, which is exemplified by the first President Bush, George H.W. Bush, at least dispositionally, he had a hard time talking about himself and explained it that his mother had taught all her children not to brag and to not, quote, have too many eyes in your sentences, unquote. In other words, don't talk about yourself. Now, most of the other Republican candidates are operating from this traditional stage of development or the modern stage, which succeeds it. And, you know, they have trouble with the I. You'll hear it. They'll talk in second person. Our campaign. We will do this. 
our policies, our movement. It's not about me. It's about the movement. It's about the American people. And they're a little put off and embarrassed by Donald Trump and struggling on exactly how to respond to him. And it'll be fascinating to see how they deal with this bombastic, fearless force of red nature on the debate stage on August 6th. I think at a minimum, Trump will serve the function of a court jester, which is to burst the bubble of pretension and the poll-driven drivel that so many of the politicians get caught up in. And to the degree that he does this, I think he'll be a force for good. But, you know, finally, I just have to ask myself the question about Trump. Is he really red? I mean, clearly he's more than that. I mean, he's the epitome of a modern success story, uh, which is orange, uh, the stage above or later than uh, traditionalism uh, with his success in making money and free enterprise and all of the stuff he's created, he can operate in a civilized arena as well. And as Dana Milbank points out in this morning's Washington Post, there was a time when Donald Trump was a good liberal, a good postmodernist. And Milbank talked about in 1999, when Trump was considering a run as a third-party candidate, that he was for gays in the military. This is 1999. He was for campaign finance reform, universal health care, in favor of regulation, opposed to investing Social Security in the stock market. And, you know, he preached tolerance. Uh, he donated to Hillary Clinton's campaign, donated to a lot of Democrats. And so he has the ability to function in several stages at the same time. And typically, we would see this as a marker for an integral consciousness, somebody who can be postmodern when it's appropriate, modern when it's appropriate, traditional, and yes, warrior when it's appropriate. So what's up with that? Is Donald Trump really integral? I think the answer is probably no. And I think the difference can be seen in the fruit of the work of the man. If the fruit of your labor is your own power and aggrandizement, then that's not a feature of integral. Integral is really working for a larger identity, working for other people. And I don't see that that is a core motivation of Donald Trump. The other explanation, of course, is that he's just a skillful opportunist, a sociopath if you will, to mean somebody who really is uh, able to dominate people and situations, but really isn't coming from a larger identity than fundamentally egocentric. But, you know, who knows? He's a mystery we all are. And, you know, as um, my favorite bumper sticker says, God bless everybody, no exceptions. At any rate, Donald is a, a terrific showman and uh, will undoubtedly make this unfolding presidential drama far more interesting and I think even more clarified. So stay tuned. 
Thanks, folks. This is Jeff signing off. <laughs>